If Jesus were going to retell today's gospel parable, today, what, who would the Pharisee be? Who would the tax collector be? Who would be the one who has the, the character of the kingdom of God? And who would be the one who is self-righteously propping themselves up? I'm not sure it's who you might think. Not sure if, you, if we necessarily know who that might look like today. I want you to imagine with me two people walk into a church. The first is a woman. And she walks in to, to see what this place is like. She walks in and wants to talk to some people. So she, she runs into some members and, and gets to talking with them. And she begins to share her story and who she is. She says, I'm, I'm a lesbian and I'm open about it. But I give to charity. I, I give lots to charity. I serve every weekend at the homeless shelter. I'm, I'm one of those kinds of people who, who believes live and let live. You know, that's my mantra. And I believe that God is all loving. And, and that no matter where we come from, that, that God will bring us into heaven. See, I, I try not to judge anyone. And I try to be tolerant of everybody. After the conversation, she went to the pew in the back row, and because she believes in God, she prayed a, a bit flippantly. Dear God, thank you I'm not like these self-righteous religious people. Thank you for making me so generous, for helping me to be such a good person and tolerant of everybody else and of their beliefs. Thank you for assuring me that, that everyone is saved. Thank you for just making me such a great person. Amen. Around the same time, a, a second person walks in. She's a member of the congregation, is, has been there for 50 plus years. She never misses a Sunday service, a, an Advent service, a Lent service. She always goes to Bible study. Puts, her family gives more than, than a tithe, more than the 10% to the church on an average uh, every week. She reads her Bible every day. She comes up to the front pew and begins to pray. Dear God, thank you for making me not like that lesbian at the back or these other half-hearted Christians in this congregation. Thank you for, for making me so good, for allowing me to read my Bible and, and just show how how Christian I am compared to these other people. Thank you for making me such a good person and, and letting me donate my, my money to the church and to this cause. Amen. So who is the tax collector and who is the Pharisee in this story? Who has the character of the kingdom and who is self-righteously propping themselves up? I'll admit, it's a trick question. They're both acting like the Pharisee. They're both acting in that kind of way. See, and that's my point, is that as Jesus warns us in this parable, it's easy to act self-righteously. It's easy to fall into this trap from either side. It's, it's easy to become like the Pharisee by becoming a, a religious person and, and relying on your piety, on how much you read the Bible, on how much you give to church, on how often you make it to worship, and looking down at the other people who don't do just quite as much as you do. But it's also easy to fall into the trap of, of living like the, the woman who entered at the beginning and, and falling into the, the pattern of culture. Well, I'm self-righteous because I don't judge other people like them. 
I treat everyone equally. I don't look down on other people's sins, live and let live. And then you feel good about yourself. It's easy to fall into this trap from both sides. But do you see the fundamental problem with both of these people in their prayers? See, both of them set up their own standard for what righteousness looks like. They decide that, that their actions and their, their choices and the way that they live their life is what makes somebody right and good and anybody who falls short, well, they're happy to judge those people. They're always condemning and comparing themselves to others. And they never look at themselves. They never acknowledge their own sin or brokenness. They're constantly judging other people. See, that's, that's a problem. You may have heard this parable before. You know, Jesus tells a parable of, of the tax collector and the sinner, but it is one of those few parables that only comes in Luke's gospel. But if you're like me and you've, you've heard scripture over and over, and you've, you've read and heard these stories, you kind of know what's coming, right? You, you know that when Jesus talks to people, if it's a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a scribe, or a teacher of the law, Jesus is probably going to put them in their place. They're not going to be the good example in the story. And the, the tax collector, the prostitute, the leper, the sinner, they're going to be the one that Jesus has compassion on and, and uses as a good example. It's what we expect. But you see, that's, that then misses the point. In Luke's gospel, there's always this, this great reversal. The people you expect to be the good examples are the bad, and the people you expect to be the bad examples are the good. And, and that was true in those days when, when Jesus told this parable. It must have been shocking for people to hear this. Because everybody knew that the Pharisees, the people who, who made sure that they stayed pure, the people who made sure they made the long prayers and avoided the unclean things, the people who did what was right were the good examples. And the people who fell short, the people who, they, you see, the, the Pharisees were the ones that God blessed and had favor on. But the, the lepers, the people who were blind, the, the tax collectors, the, the outcasts of culture, well, everybody knew that, that God didn't care for them, and, and this was a judgment on them, their lifestyles today. And so when Jesus tells this parable, and the people they expect to be the good examples are torn down and told that, that they have the wrong attitude, they're not in line with God's kingdom, and that the people who, who everyone expects for Jesus to say, you need to get your act together, you need to get your life together, that they're the good examples that Jesus elevates of having the right kind of character, of knowing that they're broken, it's shocking. It is shocking. You see, let's take a closer look at, at the Pharisee in this parable. You see, he's, he's doing the right things. It says he fasts twice a week. Jewish tradition said you only need to fast once a week. He gives 10% a tithe of everything he has. He is going above and beyond what Jewish tradition demands. He is doing what culture would approve of, right? The other, the other Jews around would be like, man, this guy has got it together. He, he knows how to live the, Christian, or the, the Jewish lifestyle. He's got it all together. And the problem is we can fall in the same kind of trap. See, we start to compare ourselves to others instead of comparing ourselves to what God would demand. Right? The Pharisee got caught up looking at what culture said was right instead of focusing on justice, mercy, compassion, and looking inward. Instead, he began to compare himself to others. And we fall in the same trap, and it's not always as blatant as what the Pharisee does or, or even the people at the beginning of this, of this sermon. 
we fall in this trap in, in lots of simple ways. We look at other people's lawns that aren't kept up quite as well as ours, and we look down on them. We see people who don't dress quite as well as we do for events or for work or even coming to church, and we begin to look down on them. We look at people who give to charity, and they, they, they're, not, they're not as generous as, generous as we did. You see, that guy only put in a one. I put in a five earlier. I don't know if you saw that, but, you know, I feel pretty good about myself right now. Or we see the people who give more time at church. Well, God must approve more of me than of them. We fall into this negative pattern. We pat ourselves on the back for every little thing we do, and we ignore our own sinfulness and our own brokenness. You see, it's easy to fall into this trap, and it's easy to let it get carried away. Take a closer look at how the Pharisee begins his judgment of others. See, he, as he prays, he starts by saying, Thank you, God, that I am not like the evildoers, that I'm not like the adulterers or the thieves or the people who extort money. See, thank God I'm not like these grievous sinners. Oh, yeah, and thank you I'm not like that guy, that tax collector over there. But what we often miss is that being a tax collector didn't make him a worse sinner. It did make him a sinner, not, not the tax collector part. He was a sinner. We all are, but... He wasn't a worse sinner because he was a tax collector. In Luke 3, the beginning of the gospel, when the tax collectors and the, the soldiers and all these people come to John the Baptist after hearing his message and say, what must we do to repent? John doesn't say, quit your job. He says, do it fairly and righteously. For all we know, this tax collector was doing his job appropriately. But the Pharisee looked over at that guy and said, well, I must be better than him. Look at him. How often don't we get caught up in that same kind of mentality? Well, I must be better than these people because look at the tattoos they have. Look at the, the piercings they have. Look at the way they dress. Look at the, the party they vote for. I must be a better Christian than those people. But none of those things reveal whether or not they have faith in Christ or who they're putting their trust in. Rather, it's us making a judgment about them outwardly. And like the Pharisee, we have no place to do that. That's not who we're called to do. It's not what we're called to be. See, the Pharisee and the two people at the beginning of the story of the sermon, and sometimes we get caught up in the same way, we, we end up acting vainly. Right? The definition of vain is to have excessive pride or admiration for our own appearance and achievements. They thought very highly of themselves. Great. But who is the example of the tax collector in this story? Where is the example of the one who's got the character of the kingdom? Where is that person today? Well, it's the, the guy or the girl who, who came in the side. They came in the side of the church. And they didn't acknowledge anybody else, not because they felt like they were better than them, but because they kind of just felt really awful, and they didn't even notice anyone else was there. It's, it's the guy who came in, who has been, had been an alcoholic, he'd been clean for 30 days, and he relapsed last night. He comes in, and he goes to the pew in the corner, hangs his head, begins to beat his chest, and starts his prayer. God, I cannot believe that you died for me. I don't deserve it. I'm so broken. I'm so messed up. I'm so unworthy 
for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness you have shown to me. But you are a merciful and a compassionate God. Help me to stop comparing myself to others, either thinking that they're better than me or looking down at their sins as though they're worse than my own. Help me to see them how you see them and how you see me. Help me to love them how you love me. And help me to share the good news of the freedom we have in you. Amen. I tell you the truth. That man went home justified. That man's sins were forgiven. See, those who elevate themselves, those who think highly of their own actions, of their own uh, achievements, those who think that their, their service to God or, or their donations in the, in the offering plate or their attendance at church earn them forgiveness and make them look better before God, they'll be humbled. And those who come in humility and recognize in confession that they are the same as everyone else, that they are broken and in desperate need of God's grace, God will elevate those people. He'll forgive them. He will raise them up. He will call them sons and daughters. Because the last will be first, and the first will be last. See, it's hard as I, as I thought about the, the story of these people at the beginning of the sermon and even of the Pharisee, to imagine any of these people even praying to God. Because they're the kind of people who don't think they need anything from God. They think they've already got it all together. They think they're fine. They think they don't need forgiveness. They don't need mercy. They've already proven how good they are. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a martyr during World War II, once said this, it is far easier for me to imagine a murderer or a prostitute in prayer than to imagine a vain person. Nothing seems so much at odds with prayer as, a va- as vanity. You see, when you think you're good, when you think you're right, when you think you've got it all together and you don't need God's grace, then you're never driven to your knees. You're never driven to that place where you ask for forgiveness, where you ask for confession. But you have the character of the kingdom, the character like that of the tax collector. You realize you are unworthy. You are broken. That you are a sinner in need of grace and you come to your knees and you come to God begging for his compassion, for his mercy, for his forgiveness because it's all you have to cling to. And I tell you, God does not disappoint. See, God sees the lowly, sees the broken, sees the contrite. And when you come before him and ask for forgiveness, ask for mercy, God does give you forgiveness. God does lift you back up. He says that he is with you. He says that you are his no matter what your past holds, no matter how low you feel today. See, that's the, 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 the beauty of the cross. It frees us from comparison as we see we are all saved by God's actions in Christ. And so we don't have to worry about our own merit or worthiness because we realize our salvation is based on Christ's worthiness and merit. So we don't have to prove we're better than others or tear other people down. Rather, we rest in God's grace. We embrace the freedom we have through God's pardon on the cross that changes everything. See, it's that kind of pardon when you see that truth of the death that we deserve that Christ has taken upon himself, that our hearts are transformed. 
And we begin to have this character of the kingdom. We pray for our own forgiveness, but also for the forgiveness of others. We don't look in judgment, but we look in compassion and mercy on the broken and the hurting. We lift them up because we know that we are all in the same position before God in desperate need of his grace and of his mercy. And that is what we hold on to. That is what we cling to. And so as beloved children of God, I know it's easy when we come to confession to just pass right through it. So I invite you to take a moment now and consider your own unworthiness before God and your desperate need for his mercy. As people of God, as children who have been claimed, hear God's forgiveness spoken upon you. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, by his word and in his stead, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.